0: So welcome to the uh, the GOAT District. We've got a we've got a, a really a star studded show here. Um, I got I'm, I got the overhyped sleeper uh, to my right on the board. Below me is uh, Chris Vaccaro, and then we have Abib Agbatoba, Skywalker uh, in the bottom corner. So uh, I'm excited. How about how are you guys feeling?
1: Yeah, this is this is an awesome team. I'm uh, I'm 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 interested to see how these guys are going to help break down. Uh the remaining weeks and the remaining players like all 12 of them <laughs> 100% 100 spent let's go guys i'm excited
0: Fish, 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 fish so I, I missed i missed last week's uh goat districts so i was out of town i feel like i see dan more than just about anyone in my life uh during the football season so it's really like nice to see you again dan um yes. and and, I missed and, you, and Theo. yeah I, I, I totally missed <laughs> you for sure and uh it, it's uh you guys crushed it last week when i wasn't here and um I'm happy to be here. And I'm really happy this got put together. Uh, We have two guys who are basically honorary goats at this point. We've been on the show a number of times, but never together. Uh, A little bit of context is during the summer, Chris came on with Nelson Sousa. um, And we discussed the New York Super uh, Draft. And it was like after that one, you know, Dan and I were talking about doing these high stakes roundtables And the first one we did was with michael edelman and matt modica which was fantastic and then the next one we we had one ffpc guy known for ffpc plays a lot of formats in in bit mandel and then an nffc hall of famer and billy wazowski and tonight we're honored because we have one guy who's taken down an overall in the nffc uh, a hall of famer in the nffc and one guy who's taken down two overalls in the ffpc no fantasy podcast on earth right now is putting together what we're doing tonight. i um, really happy to have you guys on tonight. Uh, we have Chris Vaccaro, um, who does tremendous work on The Athletic, um, does a fantastic podcast with Nando DeFino, and then uh, Abib Agbatoba, who's putting out tremendous content on First and Fifteen uh, with, you know, basically the whole First and Fifteen uh, group is, is fantastic with Deo and, and Chris. So welcome to you both to the, to the GOAT District. Uh, We have some some very sad things to talk about and some very happy things with all these injuries. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Chris, maybe you could start out and just tell us where we can find you these days uh, and and the work you're putting out.
3: Yeah, you can, uh, if you don't find me crying on the uh, corner uh, of uh, a street here in uh, New York City. Now, uh, you can find my work at The Athletic. Still sending out my weekly column um, every week. Every Thursday morning it comes out. It's a preview of the upcoming week. And, uh, you know, discuss what's going on in fantasy. And then, like you said, uh, it's uh, myself and Nando DeFino put out a weekly show on the pod uh, at The Athletic, uh, the fantasy football show. And that's where you can uh, find my work. And uh, if I didn't say it at the top, uh, it's a pleasure to be back with you guys. And uh, it's an honor to be next to Abib here.
0: Abib. Abib. What, what are you guys doing lately for, with 1st and 15? Are we going to get
4: a 1st and 15 before Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Like next week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we, we're going to try to get one in, yeah. Uh, you know, in season, um, it looks like we're, you know, trying to stick with the uh, quarterly pod. So, you know, probably every three to four weeks we'll drop a pod, just kind of a, a nice review and then uh, a, a look forward. Uh, but definitely, yeah, 1st and 15th, uh, you can find us on Instagram. I'm oh, sorry, on, uh, on Twitter and uh, our podcast, uh, which is on Apple, uh, YouTube, and Spotify. Uh, during the off season, is kind of really where we do a lot of the uh, grunt work when it comes to putting out content. Uh, we try to pod at least once a week, and we'll have a couple pods uh, here and there. And, and really, we just try to cover it all, but just kind of in a, in a, a low-key, casual, uh, argumentative uh, format. <laughs> so uh, hopefully it's not too much for some people. Uh, we try to keep it a little bit light, but then try to, you know, at the same time, you know, keep things a little bit uh, uh, off script to some degree. No, both of
0: you, both of your guys' podcasts are, are definitely in our, in our rotations and oh, they're yeah. must listen to is fantastic. Um, and both of these guys are putting out content for, you know, for people listening to us for the high stakes. Both of, of these guys' podcasts are tremendous for that as well. Um, and that's a space that I feel like, you know, needs more voices in this field. And and you guys certainly crush it. Dan, you have Thanksgiving coming up. Um, you're, 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 you're big time in the Williamson household. How many dishes are are you responsible for
1: making next week? So myself, I'll just be doing the, uh, turkey, the stuffing and the gravy. Um, everything (laughs) else gets farmed out to everybody else. So, uh, but you know, here, here's the, here's the one thing you want to know. When you're cooking that turkey, for the love of God, put it breast down. Do not cook it breast up. That's, you're going to get a much better bird. Much, Take much notes, better. people upside down turkey in the oven. Upside
0: down. That's
3: right. It's a, it's a pro move.
0: Inject that bad boy. And, <laughs> and Dan, what, what is the game you're most excited for um, this, this coming Thanksgiving? Just to go over the slate, we have the Bills Lions, we have the, the Giants Cowboys in Dallas. And then we have the Patriots against your Minnesota
1: Vikings. Well, you, you know how I'm going to have to answer this one. You got to go hometown. <laughs> you got to go. <laughs> got to go Homer. Yeah, uh, I I am interested to see how the Vikings do against uh, you know Bill Belichick scheming up a defense on them. Uh, you know, you you, you kind of feel like with a, the, with the Vikings, they've they're a good team, but also they've been a super lucky because basically every one of their victories has been in a, a one score game, and most of them have. Decided really late, you know, and uh, typically that you know those those one score games don't go that one sided all the time. So, you know there's there's a little bit of variance going on there. Um, I'm interested to see how good the team is uh, if that variance starts swinging a little bit the other way, and they have to either you know they they really have to put out a little bit more. So, but uh, Giants Giants and Cowboys should also be a good tilt too. Yeah, and, and, you know, there are
0: all three of them are, are fun for fantasy this year. So, yeah. right. I, Abib, how about you? Which game
4: are you most excited about? Uh, all of them. Food, family, <laughs> and football. No, uh, if, I mean, if I had to pick one, uh, I got to go with the points. I'm, I'm assuming that the uh, Bill's Lions game will probably have the uh, highest point spread. So, expect points in that. You know, that, that, Thanksgiving, I, I, at least this year, I feel like we have a number of teams that are going to be in the hunt. Lions always play on Thanksgiving. So hopefully that short week, they're kind of used to it. But I like having a lot of teams in the hunt so that everyone's preparing, because I think sometimes some teams, you know, they're not in the hunt. They just, you know, it's Thanksgiving. families in town. They're just looking to, you know, try and you know get through the season. And, and maybe, you know, it's a it's a blowout or one sided. So hopefully, you know, we get a bunch of good games. But that mm-hmm. Bill's Lions game. I just want to see points a lot of points.
0: <laughs> it should be a good way to, to start the day fantasy-wise. Um, pretty soft defense for, for Josh Allen and, and mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs. And uh, the Lions, you know, they they just they keep trying. It doesn't matter who's out there. You know, I'm on Ross St. Brown. And, and it seems like it doesn't matter the personnel. They're going to at least give it their all and and, and make it entertaining. Chris, you, you've got to go with the 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 Giants
3: uh, Cowboys don't you come on you know where I'm going yeah it's you know it takes me back to you know growing up as a kid we used to get those NFC East rivalries in the middle of the day with uh you know our dinner uh, coming off the the big dinner and then we sit down and you always used to get it. I always felt like a, a Cowboys in Washington mm-hmm. Cowboys Eagles and I remember some Cowboys Giants games so I was excited when I saw the schedule come out this year my New York Giants in the middle of the day, I get my boy Saquon Barkley uh, against C.D. Lamb. Uh, a lot of fantasy-friendly uh, action in that game. And like you guys all said, as bad as the Lions are, number one, at least we don't get a Lions-Bears game to start the day, which I feel like we've been getting uh, you know, a handful of times through these past 10, 15 years. We get the Buffalo Bills, and as bad as the Lions are, hey, we could see a lot of points in this game. I expect that total uh, to be in the mid-50s, probably about 55 points with Josh Allen lighting up the scoreboard if everyone stays healthy going into Thanksgiving. So a nice little slate uh, come next week.
0: Well, uh, you know, we'd all love like a 42-24 game to start the day. Everybody's happy. And I'll go with the Giants-Cowboys. I'm excited for that one. It'll have playoff implications, and, you know, we – the. The, the Giants won again. Um, that I mean, that, that game will be a lot of fun. And it, like you said, it's Saquon Barkley, CeeDee Lamb. You know, I, Schultz is, is trending up. Uh, there's a lot of fantasy-friendly games this year. So I'm super excited uh, for it. Just quick around the horn, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food, Dan?
1: It, really, it, it, as strange as it might seem, it's actually the turkey. Uh, if you do it right, it's a fantastic thing. I know a lot of places, you know, the, the turkey's just kind of the – well, you you gotta have one because it's tradition. Uh, but if you do it right, it's really, really good. So that, that's that's always been my goal. Get that turkey right. I've had it right for about fifteen years now and uh know, yeah, love love it every time. Dan is streaking. He's on that's a fifteen right. year hot
3: streak with his turkey
0: <laughs> There you go. the He's big up, up Turkey was turkey was an upset. I gotta say we, we put odds on it before the show and <laughs> No one had you what on Thanksgiving. I was saying like 30-1, to 1, Dan.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, what happens right? first? The Lions wow. win on Thanksgiving or, or Dan's turkey gets ruined on That's Thanksgiving? That's it. No. Thanksgiving. What's going to happen <laughs> first? Knock on, knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, I, 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 I
1: guarantee go. you the Lions are going to win on Thanksgiving before my turkey blows up. So. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> not,
0: not this year, Detroit fans. Not this year. That's right. Um, Abib, <laughs>
4: how about you? Uh, I got to go with the turkey as a 101. I got to agree with uh, the overall. Wow, season. man. You know, but it's like he mentioned it, it's got to be a well done turkey. It's got to have a lot of flavor. It's got to be juicy. You know, I think people who don't like turkey, you know, aren't eating good turkey. You know, that's simple. You know, it's just that simple. But I also like, you know, kind of aside, I I like my dessert, you know, my sides and my turkey all on the same plate. Oh, wow. And I like to kind of pick at it. You know, I like the the balance of the salt and sweet. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, do it in courses. I do it all together. And then we just go for round two, round three, round four, maybe. You know, depending on how well my Sunday's going or Thursday's going football wise. <laughs> wow,
3: that, that's an interesting one right yeah. there. It's a uh, little pie, pie on the it plate
4: for the for the, uh, man, the pumpkin pumpkin pie
1: and apple pie, pie together.
3: i oh. got
4: to be honest, oh.
0: though. I
1: mean, I just by the time I get around all the side dishes and everything, my plate's full. I don't have room for the dessert on it. Exactly. That's stuff. why you did it all together. <laughs> I got to eat some stuff first and then I go back and get dessert. Uh, what, about, I, what, about I get what about Chris?
3: What about Chris? I keep it simple, boys. Uh, turkey, uh, but I've had my share of bad turkeys through the years, so I know what you guys are saying. A good turkey is uh, is key to the day. You have the turkey. Give me a little uh, stuffing, good stuffing. My mother makes a great uh, homemade stuffing uh, with a sweet potato, and I'm good to go until the nightcap. I sit down. I have my pecan pie, which is the only acceptable pie. The with a, a nice. It's the 101. Dan, you called it. <laughs> Pecan pie. Sit down with the night game with a with a nice uh, uh, scoop of vanilla ice cream on top Ooh. of that warm pecan pie, and I'm ready to go. Pecan, you know, the only way that pecan, pecan, pecan pie,
1: pie would be any better is if you actually pronounced it correctly, right? No. Oh. <laughs> pecan, 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 <laughs> pecan. pecan. Uh. Hey, uh, I, 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 I know, uh, Abib, you're a pecan guy. <laughs> tell me, tell me, you're pecan, not pecan.
3: Oh, I'm pecan. pecan. Oh, there oh, we go. Yes, and it know. all winds up in the same place anyway. So. Oh, exactly. So, hey, you, know, you, you, you can, you can say add ice, no ice
0: cream it. to it too. Uh, that's right. That's tomato, tomato. I, I enjoy. I actually, I'll throw like a you know a curveball. I enjoy like a nice sweet potato side. I like mm-hmm. it whether it's a uh, something salty or one of the like marshmallows on top casserole. My wife got me into that years ago, and that that that's one I look forward to. I like the Thanksgiving meal. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. good. I enjoy the football a little bit more. I like the like the family aspect, so it's uh, it's definitely a great time. Favorite uh, day of the
3: year for me. I don't know about yes. you guys, but uh, on, hands down, it's my favorite day of the year.
0: Triple headers, triple headers hit hit different, especially with that night uh-huh. game. That night game is just tremendous, and this year we get the the Vikings uh, and Bill Belichick, uh-huh. so it's it's pretty cool. Getting to this past, uh, actually, last night's game, Philadelphia had their first loss of the year. And today we learned that Dallas Goddard will miss an extended period of time. Uh, how will the Eagles adjust? He averages about 12 and a half points per game in PPR, but it, he's very versatile in the way they use him. He got hurt on a tight end screen, uh, and that offense has really been humming. That's It's a significant loss. Is there anyone that you view as someone who's going to see a bump in usage? And how do you think that offense will adjust? Why don't we start with Dan on this one?
1: Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I don't really see anybody who's going to get a huge bump out of it. I think it's going to get fuzzed out a little bit. Um, I could see him using, uh, you know, Gainwell with Miles Sanders at the same time, split him out wide, uh, you know, maybe run some, some screens like that. Um, you could see, you know, a little bit more out of uh, Devonta Smith from time to time, too. Uh, you know he's he's certainly had some games where he's been awfully quiet and and i would like to think those might end a little bit with uh goddard not there but uh, i don't know what do you think abeep
4: uh you know yeah i think i think it's gonna you know we're gonna see a lot more uh on hertz's shoulder you know maybe he you know a couple more design runs here or there uh maybe he you know forces it a little bit more to his receiving options uh, I don't know how much more they can run effectively. I, I, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of confused with this offense as far as – I don't say confused, but uh, trying to figure out how con- – to me it's a very simplex offense, and they just seem to, like, run it very well. Or at least, you know, in some situations the defense uh, allows them to do what they want to do. And I think last night we saw the defense finally take some of those things away. Like, for the love of me, I, you know, how many, like, in-breaking slants were just – Always wide open every single game. Like every single game. And they finally, you know, kind of set on those or took those away. Or uh, so I I am gonna be interested to see what Philly does. You know, I guess Jack Stoll was uh the tight end. Uh he's been seeing some playing time this year. I guess he's more of a blocker. There's a rookie uh, Cal Sotero or however you pronounce his name, uh, but he's a late round rookie. If you remember from back from last year, I think we were all kind of high on uh, uh was it Tyree Jackson? You know, he's mm-hmm, a little bit yeah. athletic. I think There's a Tyree
0: uh, Jackson hive still. There are still people like over know. You
4: like, know, I think he just got called up or not called up, but, uh, uh, you know, I think he's a 21 window started. So who knows? Maybe there's something there. But I, I kind of agree with you, Dan. I think, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know that anyone's filling into that Goddard role. And given that it wasn't one that was, you know, reliably, you know, a, a weekly reliable role, uh, it may be tough to kind of find a replacement or
3: trust mm-hmm. one
1: anyway. Right.
3: What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I I think the Eagles are going to, you know, they're they're hitting this point now. Everything was moving along great for them. 8 and 0, cruising along. People were saying, "Hey, this, this team's going to, you know, wrap up the the one seed in the NFC real quick." They're starting to hit, you know, Avante Maddox, the their um, you know, DB, um, he's going he went on IR, he's hurt. Offensively, they're starting to get a little nicked up here. We want to see about AJ Brown. I, you know, he limped uh, out early. He came back in but he didn't produce much. I don't think this team's going to get any help out of the tight end position, but where I think uh, if we're looking for people to step up, I think Devontae Smith is going to see a lot more targets, Devontae Smith in in this offense. I think he's going to be a a high upside wide receiver too uh, for this next month or so. I don't, you know, we're still waiting on how long of a we're going to be without Dallas Goddard. if I see anybody else though, you know, take a step in this offense to become a useful piece. I think it might be Quez Watkins out of the, you know, out of the wide receiver room. I, I could see him coming on the field a little bit more. I think he played 58% of the snaps last night. Maybe we see that number get up around 70. And if you're looking for some help on the wire, maybe Quez Watkins, uh, you know, chips in with uh, five, six targets every week without Goddard there.
0: Quez Watkins is a, is a nice, interesting name you bring up as well, because you bring up, the fact that AJ took a little bit of a knock. Um, I mean, I don't anticipate he's going to miss anything, but it was a scary moment. Um, and Devonta Smith has dealt with, with, with some knocks this year as well. So uh, Quez Watkins might have, you know, you could view him now as, you know, potential third fiddle in the passing game. And he's got a little bit of handcuff up. Um, you know, he's like a wide receiver handcuff. Cause I do think he's a talented guy and Hertz does look for him deep. Um, I, I'll be interested with the running backs. It's, it's you had a very quiet Miles Sanders game. I had a, a team where I benched Miles Sanders or excuse me. I benched Devin Singletary to play Miles Sanders. And it's like that just really, it really hurt. Um And Sanders, it's, you're expecting a lot more than what you saw. And and I think that it was also a good point that the Eagles last week against Houston, it was a 14, 14 game at the half and they ended up pulling away. So you know, you're starting to see you know a little bit of flaws in them, mm-hmm. and Minnesota and San Francisco are kind of picking up steam. So there's a lot of pressure. I think that yeah. AJ teams are yeah. running against the Teams are running yeah, yeah. all yeah. over yeah. Philly now. These
3: last couple of weeks, yeah. they're showing holes in the middle of that defense. And like I said, Avante Maddox uh, is yeah. is out now. The, this team, I could see them picking up a couple of losses here uh, over the next bunch of weeks. I already took Indianapolis plus the seven points at home uh, against this Eagle team. I think. I think they'll lose again to Indianapolis, as a matter of fact, this upcoming week.
0: That'll be a big one. A shout-out to Don Crypto in the chat. Uh, Jordan Davis, big loss against the run. Certainly, you know, he's he's a beast. And, and and you know, you see Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson collectively. They, yep. they, you know, try to get the ball in their hands. And I think teams have kind of figured them out a little bit. Uh, another team that lost a big one was the Rams. Uh, Cooper Cup, uh, do you think he'll play another down this season? And how should fantasy players adjust? Should we be avoiding this offense completely, or is there a sleeper that could gain some value? Uh, start with the beeb on this one.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Cooper Cuff is just, you know, he's just one of those elite players that you just got to hold, you know. Even if there is the 5%, 10% chance that he may be there for, you know, week 15, week 16, or you're playing in week 17, except You know, I think you just got to hold. Uh, I mean, we're holding handcuffs these you know you know high-end handcuffs. So to me, you know, that's a guy that uh when healthy may come back and and Stafford's there uh, may put up some points. It's a big risk and a big gamble because you, you already kind of see the state of this team right now. Uh they're you know falling apart at the seams. The O-line has just been absolutely atrocious. It was atrocious coming into the year and it's only gotten worse. They picked up another, you know, uh, O-line injury this past week. Uh and Cup was really the only bright spot of this offense. Allen Robinson. Oh my God. You know, I spent the whole offseason, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ragging on him and then I finally gave in. And then this is, you know, uh, you know, what has happened. So, you know, but uh yeah, as far as sort of kind of like who takes over, I I wouldn't necessarily say stay away. I think on any bad team there is going to be somewhat a fantasy value. We've seen that this year. Yeah. You know, I think the talk in the offseason, I and mean, we had to kind of you know pick one team, I mean, it was probably um the bears uh as far as like there may not you know might, there might not be enough value on the bears or just you know doing all outright fade and that looked good early on but now we're seeing that if you were kind of patient enough or you know you were aggressive on the waiver wire you you know had the advantage of having probably the number one quarterback over the last few weeks cole Komet, you know dan your boy who's, uh, who's really uh you know come on strong so i don't want to just completely ignore this situation um I will say that, you know, at this time of year, I do look at teams as a whole. If I see a team that is just, you know, out of contention, uh, looks like, you know, they're probably turning the page towards next year, I'm really starting to kind of focus in on some of the younger players, some of the guys that, you know, that uh, coaching staff or that, you know, uh, you know, that GM may want to get a good look at. So we all, you know, we're Kyron Williams. Uh, so he's a guy I think we may start to see more reps because they just may, they may want to see what they have in them. Uh, but as far as cups' role specifically, uh, I mean, I think it may be our boy Sko, Like, I really feel like he is going to fill into that role. He's not going to be Cup, but I think he may be just enough to where, like, you know, he can provide you some PPR value. Uh, I don't know. I, I, for whatever reason, I'm looking past Allen Robinson, looking past Van Jefferson, because I feel like they play their roles in the offense. I feel like you know, McVay has his offense, and he has. Is, is skilled players play a specific role? And I don't necessarily know that there's too much interchange there. And if I'm thinking of one player that, you know, may mimic Cooper Cuff to some degree, even though that's, you know, not, you know, unlikely, but if there's one player that's going to be close enough to me, it's Skoranek. Well, I think what you're
3: hoping for, Abib, is that uh, Matthew Stafford needs to have breakfast with somebody now going forward without Cooper Cuff there. <laughs> <laughs> and he just confuses him with Skoranek and they start having breakfast the rest of the season together and maybe he picks up his targets. So uh, that's a possibility.
4: I mean, he does tend to lock in on one guy. I mean, Higby, sure. I think you will know, become relevant. You know, he was, you know, a superstar to start the year and then fell off the planet and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. last week picked it up, but, you know, so we'll probably see you know uptick with him, but, you know, Stafford does tend to kind of favor one guy. You know, he did that in Detroit and, you know, maybe we'll con- you know, see this post cup. Yeah, it's a dumpster dive. It's such a (laughs) it's such an ugly scene without Cup. I mean,
0: you could you could almost say that Cooper Cup is the most valuable guy to his team of any skill position player besides Saquon Barkley. I think Mm -hmm. it's probably Cooper Cup. It's just it's just crazy how imbalanced that roster is. Um, Dan, is there anybody here that you're somewhat excited for? You know, Higby, Sironic. Talk to us, Dan. Talk us off the ledge.
4: He looks like he's I, gonna
0: throw up in his mouth. Ask I, mean, him a question. I have one, I have one dynasty team that was rolling. You know, I talked to Abib and Dan in the pre-show a little bit about how we're just numb. Like yeah. hey, DeMar Chase injury just broke me. You know, it's like it's like that moment where you know, after that, it's like you can't really feel anything in terms of injuries. So, like you just keep rolling with the punches. But I had one dynasty team that everything had come together: DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, and Tyree Kill every single week with Christian McCaffrey and you know, you felt great. And now it's like, what is going on here? Dan, is, is there anything, is there anything we can get here with, uh, from the Rams?
1: Yeah. I, it, I mean, nothing I'm getting excited about for sure. Um, uh, I, I put out a tweet earlier today cause I was looking through my teams. I found a Cooper cup team where I already had Ben Skoranek on there. No, it, so I, I did tweet. the the I mean, sad, sad dancing yeah, girl, you to, know. Yeah, it was sad. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much my my reaction. Uh, yeah, this is this isn't great, but I'll I'll go ahead and dance anyway. Sure. Uh, no, I I think A on onto something with uh, Kyron Williams too, though, because um, you know I I don't think. Um, Rowe Henderson or Cam Akers is going to be with the team next year. They really need to see what they've got in uh, Kyron Williams. So I, I do think that's going to happen. Um, I do expect Higby to probably pick up, uh, you know, some of the slack down underneath. Uh, you know, it's it's just going to fundamentally change that offense though. I mean, when you don't have Cup, you know, like, like we're all saying, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not going to be the same thing because Stafford isn't going to have that one guy he can really lock in on anymore.
0: I, I love like Higby. I'll, I'll say yeah. Higby's, Higby for me would be the one where if I had him on my teams with Higby, I feel a little bit better about it. Um, just out of necessity, I think he's going to have to be a thing every week, at least in terms of predictable targets.
3: And sorry, Chris, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to agree. uh I'll touch on real all of them real quick. Higby, I think, is the one that uh, gets the big bump here, especially in the tight end landscape with you know, with how terrible it is right now. And I'm sure we'll get to all that with Ertz out and Goddard out. Higby now for the rest of the season with Cup out of this offense is someone I think you could look at it as possibly a, a top eight tight end uh, each week. So, you know, things were looking great in the beginning of the season for Higby. Then they fell off of a cliff. People were dropping him. He's actually available on a couple of my uh, high stakes leagues. Um, and I think he'll be a big bid uh, this week. Uh, so the arrows point up for him but back to cooper cup we're in a really tough position as cooper cup owners when you're you know playing in the high stakes market because you know the timetable here is what four to eight if he even comes back now me personally i, I don't know how you guys all feel i don't think we'll see him again this year i think I think, I think this team done. is i, I think he's I, done. He, I i'm gonna I'm what's I'm the gonna point
1: the other side of that i think we do yeah. really okay yeah, because i don't think you get that tightrope
3: surgery if you're Planning on just, you know, mailing it in for the rest of the year. Who was that Tua? Back in the day, that had mm. the uh, the tightrope yeah. surgery, and he played in the championship game after uh, the SEC championship where he had the surgery. That's yeah. what the one I was thinking of with that tightrope surgery. Now I know it's a quarterback, and he was to a making a little bit more money at Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> Cooper is in Los <laughs> oh, Angeles. Right, oh. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But listen, if this team is three and ten, by the time three and eleven, I mean you, you know. Do they say, listen, buddy, you're going to come back for the final three weeks. But as fantasy players here, we're taking our playoff teams that are in good positions with Cooper Cup here. We're taking them into the playoff spot. We need every roster spot, you know, as we can get our hands on to set up our teams for a three week sprint. There's no add drops at the high stakes level once you cross that week 14 uh, player, you know, so we could be taking playing with a 19 man roster for three straight weeks. If they shut him down after week 14 comes and goes, and you never know, you're, you're dealing with uh, maybe an injury or two to another guy. Uh, those rosters, they get really short when, when you're playing a three week span without add drops uh, throughout the playoffs. So it's tough. But hey, listen, he is Cooper Cup. He's your first round pick. You have to carry him. You can't drop him. So just puts us, uh, you know, with our hands tied behind our backs a little bit.
4: Twenty-two. And I need a half screenshot for whoever drops them for their second kicker, going into yeah. the uh, tournament weeks.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> shout, shout out! Shout out to
0: the NFFC for the team kickers. Thank right? God! FFPC, oh wow. my God! See, that's uh, hey, yo, That's FFPC. so true. It's yeah. it's a massive that's thing clutch. that they did. It's um. Yeah. You know that's a whole that's a whole another uh, another like you know knockout stage strategy. But what a what a gift that is. In, in FFPC, you're absolutely caring too. Unless you're unless you're a Beeb, and then you're going to go in a championship game with, with, with zero kickers. No kickers. <laughs> yeah. Still, yeah. Nobody <laughs> needs no kickers, really. Um, we can't talk about enough about – people are going to to tune out and turn off the pot if we talk about the Rams too much. Really happy news is Justin Fields has gone completely nuclear. It's unbelievable to watch what he's doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think he's got a, a, an opportunity to break the rushing uh, the rushing yards record for a quarterback. I think he's playing that well. It's really happening. And what a turnaround for him. Cole Komet and also Matt Eberflus, who last time, Abib, you were on the GOAT district. We were just annihilating Iberflus and talking about how the guy doesn't know what he's doing. They're running the slowest pace <laughs> offense. And, you know, here we are six weeks later, and the guy's putting up 30 points, and, you know, Fields is dropping 40 burgers uh, you know, regularly, and Cole Komet looks like a top five tight end. So lesson learned there, Dan, we never take L's in the Go District. Every call we make is right, except we just have to be patient. So Colton right. is crushing now. Yeah. Um, after we cut him a couple of times, he's, he's doing great. But what, where do you guys see Justin Fields in terms of the pecking order for the rest of the season? Are we talking about where does he fall? Start with you, Abib. Where does he fall for you in terms of quarterbacks? How many guys would you rather have? than Justin Fields right now and name
4: them. Oh man, there's not a lot, uh, you know, and it's, and yeah, he's playing great. So I'm not taking anything away from Justin Fields. Uh, he's kind of found a stride, you know, and when I say great, you know, I, I don't think he's, you know, kind of going through progressions and, you know, he's just so much more accurate than he was, or he's killing it in the passing game. I mean, he's just kind of, he's feeling he's more comfortable. He's running when he should run. They've adjusted the offense and he's playing within the structure of that offense uh, and executing very well. So he's playing great, And he's putting up a lot of fancy points, which is what we like. So, you know, but when I look at sort of kind of the landscape of quarterback play and the landscape of quarterbacks that we have, you know, at our availability, there's not a lot at all, you know. Before, I think it was last week, I had the decision between Lamar and Fields, and it was a tough decision. I went Lamar, and it was, you know, and it ended up being the wrong decision, but that's kind of where we were. So as far as kind of players that I would start above them. Mahomes and uh, Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen, uh, those are clear. Uh, and then outside of that, I think, you know, hurts likely, hurts likely. And then I think it's close between, you know, whoever you have available. You know, Tua, depending on the matchup, Tua to me, and you know, I think we may be talking about Miami a little bit later, but I think having Mostert and Jeff Wilson there, you know, adds a little bit, you know, less clarity as far as it just being, you know, purely a passing offense relying on, two and Waddle, or sorry, uh, Waddle and Hill. Now you have running backs who can also take away. So, uh, you know, given the matchup, there's probably three or four guys that I, you know, for sure would start over Fields. And then after that, it just really depends on the matchup, the week, you know, who's healthy on the given offenses and what players look like they're in their stride and and is riding high. How about you, Dan?
1: Yeah, so I've got a team, uh, a a dynasty team, that's got um, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields on the same roster. Uh, so, I mean, number one, I'm looking to sell one of them off uh, for sure. <laughs> of course, you know, there, there are some people who are like, well, oh, I'm not paying a, a first-rounder for a, in a, in a one-quarterback league. Well, fine. Then you're not getting them. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I can tell you. Um, but really, beyond Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes, I don't know who else. I would automatically start over. Maybe Hurts. Maybe. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, maybe. You know, but I, I I might be just as happy starting Fields. I'd probably be pretty much dependent on those. How about you, Chris?
3: Yeah, I see it the same way uh, you guys do. I have Fields fourth right now, um, Hurts being third, and Mahomes and Allen one and two. So, yeah, Fields uh, fourth. I have... Uh, I talked about this on my show last week. Um, my strategy at the quarterback position this year was my number. My top one was to try and grab Lamar in the sixth, fifth, sixth round, and then back them up with fields or two in the 16th, 17th rounds. They were pretty much free. And I have a lot of, I had a lot of Lamar and Justin Fields teams. And after the fourth or fifth week, I said, all right, you know what? I'm not wasting any more time. I was wrong on Justin Fields. This isn't going to happen. And I dropped him. I dropped maybe 80, 90% of my Justin Fields shares. That's just the type of season that it's been. Uh, mm-hmm. I could tell you a lot more stories like that, but it's a lot, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I still do have a couple teams that are Fields and Lamar. And I can tell you right now, I'm going Justin Fields over Lamar this upcoming week. Until these numbers come back down to earth a little bit. But we haven't seen anything like this since Michael Vick. He's running for 175 rushing yards on 15 attempts two weeks ago. He comes back with 150 rushing yards on the ground. Designed runs. I mean, there's no way you can walk away and put a bench uh, player like that at the quarterback position. So, no, Justin Fields. And I I don't even have a problem if you started Justin Fields over Jalen Hurts. Uh, right now, you got to go with the hot hand. So, other than Allen and Mahomes locked in, uh, Justin Fields is right there at three, possibly four.
0: So, for me, I would probably rate that. Rate. I think that top four right now is 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 pretty clear. I think Fields has the higher ceiling than Hurts. Uh, Fields is it's it's his show. He's ripping off the long runs. I mean, Hurts you have in the context of the offense, he's doing it. So, I think like it's to me it's fields has just shown this incredible ceiling and 100% you're i would start him over anybody in football against atlanta this week in the revenge game against the team that he wanted to draft him he's from georgia i think fields is going to go absolutely nuts so i think i mean it's it's just unbelievable um shout out to the chat um chat is is lit right now we'll go around the horn does anybody what should 1912 fantasy do are you playing the matchups when you have Joe Burrow, who's put up tremendous uh, stat lines, you know we would all agree. You know Burrow's somewhere in that top six or seven range for starting quarterback. Are you going to play the matchups if you have a, a two quarterback uh, champagne problem like nineteen twelve, or are you just rolling with Justin Fields? Start with a beeb on that.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the matchups, and I kind of look through Fields' matchups, and, and most of them say that I'm likely start, starting Fields more times than not. Uh, what I'm not doing is dropping any of these players. Uh, we're getting into like the money weeks, and quarterback position is turning turning into like the tight end position, where there's not a lot of them. You know, is the halves and the haves not? You don't okay. want your opponent having a quarterback. I mean, I start off, you know, you know, in these high stake leagues, drafting one quarterback, and then I like study those first two weeks like none other, and then I pick up a second quarterback, and then sometimes a third. And it just so happened that this was the year where there's not a lot of them on the waiver wire where you can just plug and play and, you know, comfortably expect 20 plus points. So yeah. I don't want to, you know, especially with, with, uh, you know, when Chase comes back, you don't want, you don't want to be going up against Burrow, like just, you know, do what you can. Like there are a lot of players that I think we fell in love with early in the season and we want to see them produce, drop those guys. You know, I'm dropping a couple of Wondell Robinson shares, like, I love the player, but hey, you know, I'm not. I'd rather carry two or three quarterbacks and play keep away and play defense than like hold on to like a Wandell Robinson and players like that.
0: A Mm 12-point week from Wandell is not going to hurt you as much as a 40-point week from the guy you might drop. Chris, how would you handle the Burrow
3: Fields uh, conundrum? Oh, I wouldn't even say it's close right now. I'm going Justin Fields, not even thinking about twice. See, a lot. What happens here a lot of time is we we fall in love with names. Just like Lamar Jackson. Oh, my God, I got Lamar Jackson. How can I sit Lamar Jackson for Justin Fields? How can I sit Joe Burrow for Justin Fields? Throw that out the window. We're going into week 11. I want production. And Joe Burrow without Jamar Chase right now compared to Justin Fields breaking off, uh, you know, uh, running 15 times a game for 150 yards besides what he's doing in the air. I don't even think it's close between a Fields and Burrow. So I'm going Fields all day long. Come talk to me again when Jamar Chase comes back for Joe Burrow. Then maybe I can say, all right, Fields has a tough matchup here um, and you know, and see what Burrow is playing that week. But for right now, it's Fields over Burrow uh, if I had that um, issue.
0: I'll agree with you. I think you've got to ride the hot hand there with Fields. Uh, Dan, how about you? Yeah, same thing. And,
1: you know, I just want to say real quick on Chicago. I've been playing fantasy football since 1990. um, And I don't think I've ever seen a coaching staff pull a midseason switcheroo like this in all that time. Mm. I mean, I'm stunned. You know, basically they came off of a a Thursday night game. And then the following Sunday, all of a sudden the offense is completely different. I mean, they could not have been more wrong the first four or five weeks, whatever it was, could not have been more wrong with how they were running the offense, how they had it set up. They were just not playing to any of field strengths, anything. And then they turned it around, and they could not be more right. I mean, you know, how does this even happen? I'm still
3: just stunned and amazed. It's It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, a, a team doing a 180 like this. Where you every we were all on Twitter, fantasy Twitter. Get rid of all your bear shares. This is a nightmare. Get you know it was after that twelve seven Thursday night game versus Washington. That was what week four or five. Yeah. It was like I we've all seen enough. It's four weeks of pain, and get rid of everybody. And then as soon as we all drop these comet shares, field shares, it was liftoff time. So, you know I. Does this hurt us down the road with one of our biggest issues as fantasy players is holding on too long to players that aren't producing early in the season? Right. We face this every time. And what's the, always the answer? Hey, get out before it's too late. You know, get yep. rid of the shares, admit you admit we're wrong and move on. And usually that's what I like to do, too. And I did it in this instance. We all did. And we got burned. So now is this going to hurt us as players going forward for years to come when we want to drop that player in week five, six, seven, that's doing nothing, the Allen Robinsons of this year, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And and we stop and say, but there's always that Justin Fields type. We can always get a Justin Fields or Cole Komet yeah. type of season. Uh, it's going to be something that uh, we love, always struggle with.
4: Yeah, I love that question. I mean, I think that I think we like – and it's a case by case, you know, basis, but that's like you said, it's something that we we have to think about week in and week out. And we're fortunate enough to play high stakes. So we have these 20 bench leagues. And I know a lot of the listeners, they don't have the luxury of that. So it's easy for me to say, you know what, Darnell Mooney, sit on the bench. Come out, you know, commit in the tight end premium league, sit on the bench. You know? Yeah. But when you're kind of in these shorter bench leagues, it becomes harder and harder and harder. So one, try to get your leagues to like increase you know, uh, roster sizes, but two, I think what I'm leaning on, because, you know, I was talking with someone about this the other day, it's like scoring's down, right? So that means the pie is smaller, but there are so many more players in the player pool from week to week. We have all the RBBCs, you know, we have more three, four wide receiver sets. We got double tight ends. We got, you know, quarterbacks coming in and out on a given week. So pie is smaller, but there are more pieces to go around and depending on the week we don't know who's going to eat so one thing that i think you can try and focus on at least as a fantasy player that may help you out is if you feel like you're a very good evaluator of talent man just pick up the talented player If you see him on the waiver wire like right now he's not doing anything but i believe in his talent i'm gonna pick him up and i started doing that kind of halfway through the season and then all of a sudden like oh wow like you know i picked you know and it was of course it's on you know teams that needed like i had teams where i you know drafted maybe russell wilson and i'm like I need another quarterback. I don't know, okay, field is out there, who knows, maybe, right. you know, because I, I believe in, you know, some of his talent. And you start accumulating talent, and sure enough, that, you know, cream rises to the top or the situation presents itself. So, but, yeah, that's such an interesting dynamic. I mean, yeah. because last year it was Amon Ross St. Brown. If you, like, drafted him or, like, kind of held on, how long were you holding on to him before, like, you dropped him? And then, and then he came out of nowhere. So those situations mm-hmm. are so hard. Yeah, I yeah. think for me,
0: it's it's, I won't be so quick to judge new coaching staffs because mm-hmm. I think that like, it took Eberflus a little bit longer, um, but I, and and for actually, you can kind of make an argument with with Nick Sirianni because Nick Sirianni we think is one of the smartest guys in the room now. And last year at the beginning of the year, you know, people started buying into him as the season progressed. They made the playoffs. Um, he did what he needed to do to win, but. I think I was kind of negative towards him at the start of the season as well. So I think these new coaches, especially guys that are not necessarily the names that like a Brian Dable, who we were, you know, kind of, you know, everybody knew who he was. Everybody wanted him as a candidate, but some of these guys that are kind of under the radar uh, that have a a big reputation in NFL circles, they, they've earned that reputation for a reason. And I think we need to be a little bit more patient with them. Uh, That's kind of my takeaway Real quick, the chat Mm -hmm. is really lit tonight. Uh, Joe Carlton's in the chat. 1912, Ray Chung. Shout out to a couple of our NFFC guys. Uh, Aaron Waldo uh, over Mahomes. I think he's getting back to my all-star fields over everyone. Uh, Not Mahomes. I I was a little high-profile. Nobody. not starting anybody over (laughs) Mahomes. Nobody
3: over Mahomes.
0: That was was a little exaggeration.
3: (laughs) And congrats to you
0: on all your money, Aaron, uh, for having a Mahomes-Fields team. Uh, But we have a question in the chat. uh, Was... uh, how are we treating Deshaun Watson? Uh, go real quick around the horn. Where would you rank him as soon as he comes back, uh, Dan?
1: I'm not ranking him super aggressively because honestly, he's been out of the game for a year and a half. Uh, I'm I'm gonna want to see it. Uh, he's gonna be playing in uh, you know Cleveland in the winter, basically, uh, which is not exactly uh, Houston in a dome. So you know I you know I know he can play in those conditions, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, he's been away from the game for a long time. I expect some time to knock the rust off. And, you know, so I, I'm not too worried about it. I don't have him on any of my um, my redraft teams, and I'm totally fine with that. Abib, you've been a Watson guy in the past. Mm-hmm. How, high,
0: how high do you think he'll be this season? You consider him a QB1, a potential, you know, top six quarterback? I mean, where do you see him falling when he starts yeah. his first game?
4: So, again, I I think it's more so just a knock on the overall QB market as itself. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he's just, you know, he's going to naturally rise to like a QB one. Uh, But I'm with Dan. I want to see it first. And this first game is against the Texans. And they're not necessarily the greatest passing matchup because they're, you know, a run funneling defense. So Chubb and Hunt or whoever's back there is going to run for 500 plus yards. But I want to see it first, you know. That'll be a good game for him to kind of, you know, get him some play-action pass, get some easy reads, first reads, you know, uh, have, you know, ideally some one-on-one matchups, you know, get his feet wet, and then I'll see it. Uh, I am picking him up though, you know. If he he's not available in a lot of high-stake leagues on the waiver, but he is someone that like, you know, I'm adding to most benches where I, you know, the team that you know is not Mahomes or Allen, uh, you know, he's a guy that I kind of just want waiting in the wings and. You know, he's someone who could potentially, you know, also be a, a differentiator in tournaments as well. So, how about you, Chris?
3: Yeah, um, I also agree. I think he could struggle, but you know what? If you if you have if you don't have one of those top six guys, the Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Fields, Tua, uh, and a Burrow, Herbert uh, type right there, and you're getting by with um, you know streaming quarterbacks or whatever and you think you're going to the playoffs, it's the absolute right move you have to make. Uh, you have to hope he comes back. Uh, I think he'll be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Uh, once he knocks off the rust, he's going to come back. Week 13 and 14, maybe it takes those two weeks to shake the rust off. Then you you put him right in there for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, he can help you out on the ground. And at this point in the season, if you give me a quarterback that's going to uh, give me that rushing upside like he is, uh, uh, as well as what the quarterback landscape looks like, yeah, that's a uh, you know an ad that I want, and I think he'll be uh, that eight to ten uh, overall uh, quarterback rank uh, the last five weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I would have him. I think he's going to end up finishing as like a top eight quarterback in his starts. I think he's a very talented guy. Um, we've seen, you know, uh, Dan, you bring up the fact that he's been away from football, but he hasn't been also hasn't been taking hits. So I think sometimes these guys come back a little healthier and I like his weapons. I think DPJ is coming on. Um, You know, Mark Cooper has his, his, his weird splits, but he definitely is a flash this year. You know, Njoku should be back and, I think the fact that there's a tremendous running back next to him is going to help him and take a little pressure off him as well. That's, and and the good thing, guys, is there'll be nobody in the media at all will be following you know Deshaun Watson <laughs> against Houston uh, in the first week, and that'll yeah. be a, a you know yeah, no oh, media oh, scrutiny yeah, me at all. I think the the
3: the qu- the best thing uh, with Watson is how quickly is he going to get the chemistry with these weapons? Because right. if there's one team, if you gave me one or two teams that I think could lead a team to fantasy championship and offense, if you, you know, if you stack them, I think it's Cleveland. It might sound crazy, but if you give me Watson heading into the fantasy playoffs and I have a couple shares of a Cooper or an Njoku or a Peoples-Jones and a Cooper with Watson, this team could get hot for three weeks. It's an underrated, uh, you know, offense that's not you know, all uh glitz and glamor that people aren't, it's not the chiefs. It's not the bills. I'm talking one of those under the radar teams that you stack
1: mm-hmm. and
3: they just go nuclear for three weeks and you ride them. It's there. It is. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm definitely bullish on those
0: guys. Uh, shout out to snooze in the chat. Uh, he saying that, you know, he thinks that they, he'd say above eight, they want to look right in the trade and even Kyler has been top six to eight with poor performance. Uh, that's yeah, a good I- point.
1: I, I think that's a great point right there. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, it, it, would, it, it sure. it's real easy to be a, a QB one this year. Um, you know, all you need to do is be competent really. Um, it's, it's just such a weird year for quarterbacks. And, and I also have to say, um, you know, I, if I had the chance to add Watson, I would be adding him every single one of my leagues he's already been taken. So I don't, I don't really have the chance to add him anywhere. Um, Basically, it was, you know, in most of my leagues, it was like week nine. It mm-hmm. was the week to add him if you were going to get him. And I was going through bi week hell. So it wasn't happening for uh-huh. me. So maybe yeah, was, I'm bi- just. by bi- uh... mageddon was the week to get Watson. Dan's <laughs> absolutely yeah. right.
0: I think he went up like his, his he went from being like a 15% rostered guy in like a Yahoo format. And now he's like over 40. So if he's there in the home leagues, he's in like right. 100% of our, our high stakes formats.
3: Um, it's interesting that none of us said Kyler though when we were just talking about our five top five, six quarterbacks. Uh, you know, it's, I guess we're all down on Kyler, it seems. I mean, you know, I got not, a lot yeah, of Kyler shares. I
0: mean, I think that the fact that Hollywood Brown, we can go quick, quick Cardinal thoughts off, off, off topic. Mm-hmm. I think that the fact that Hollywood's going to be back with the way that Rondell Moore is playing and the fact that he's got an alpha with DeAndre Hopkins. I think if he comes back healthy, I think that that Cardinals offense could finish the year well. Um, I think that there's some some positive signs. They they won the game last week without Kyler. Um, he has a chance to get healthy, and now they have a huge game against the Niners this week. Uh, so I'm not, I'm 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 still optimistic with Kyler and, and that
1: offense. How about you, Dan? Can they turn off the uh, microphone on? Cliff's headset. Um, they can tune him out. It's just I mean, you know, think about Tyler
0: and his three guys. Yeah,
1: that's, uh, uh, I mean to me that might be the you know all it takes. I don't know, Abib. Yeah, no, I think uh,
4: if, if if we can find if we can see them in a couple of shootouts uh, with those weapons, you know, healthy Marquise Brown to kind of you know stretch the field, uh, you know, Rondell Moore kind of working the short intermediate, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Hopkins, uh, you know, being a chain mover, uh, I don't, you know, this this shouldn't be an offense that's running through James Connor ideally. So I'm with you. I think uh, they, he could be a sneaky uh, kind of league winner towards the back end of the year, especially if he uh, uh, continues to run as he as he has. But get that hamstring right. Sit out if you need right. to. Get that hamstring yes.
3: right. Yeah.
4: Real quick in the chat, Rob Fisher, uh, if Elijah
0: Elijah Moore coming off of his bye week. Um, you know, Robert Sala said that Elijah Moore is now going to be playing the slot. Is Robert Sala, you know, just full of it here? Um, or do we have hope that we have hope for my, for my boy, Elijah Moore here, please.
1: Somebody, somebody tell me there's some hope. Start with, I'm I'm on the B plan here. I mean, if if anybody's dropping him, I'm adding him because he's got talent, you know, that's, that's all I need.
0: Criminal Uh, let him sit on a waiver wire. You Theo,
3: nobody was higher on Elijah Moore coming into this season than me. Uh, I have shares everywhere. That was my highest owned player. Um, it's probably a reason, you know, I look at and My fifth round was pretty much a pass this year <laughs> in, in all my drafts because that was my fifth round pick pretty much straight through. But, uh, you know, I didn't drop him. Uh, I'm still holding on to him. Hopefully this move to the slot. Turns it into something. Hey, listen, we all left Kadarius Tony for dead, and now mm-hmm. we would love to get our hands on Kadarius Toney, right? And, and there's other players we just talked about, Fields, Komet. It's been an, a crazy season, and who knows? Maybe Elijah Moore turns it around with this move to the slot now, and he's a you know 5-6 catch-a-game guy out of the slot.
0: I would give you all my fab left, and some fab from next season. I'll start with 80% if you can give me a Kadarius Tony. Um, It's uh, that would, that would be, you know, I I would love to see Elijah Moore come. I mean, that's a guy that we were huge on in the GOAT district. And me personally, I I have a lot of exposure to him in Dynasty and in Redraft. So I would love to see him turn it around. And, you know, sometimes when the bye week happens, these teams self-scout and they kind of get it together. um, And I think that the Jets, they really want to win, and I still believe in the talent. So that would be great. One guy who's on his bye week right now who had his coming out party last week was Rashad White. How excited should we be about Rashad White? Uh, Start with Chris.
3: Yeah, I'd be pretty excited coming out of the bye week with White. Um, You know, he starts the game over there in Germany, uh, gets a ton of touches, looks great doing it. I would look at him coming out of the bye as a as an upside RB two, you know, somewhere in between that 13 to to 17 overall uh, range right there. And he would be an automatic go right into my lineup in my RB two spot and flex if uh, need be. So, yeah, Um, you you wonder if, you know, he'll get uh, sniped at the goal line a lot if they'll bring in big Lenny uh, when they get in the red zone. You'd like to see Rashad White. I, he could do it in the past game. He's got 20 catches this season already. Uh, he didn't have any in, in this last game. So I think he ran for 100 and I think it was 105, 110 yards or something like that. But it was empty yards. Um, mixes in a couple catches each week. And I think he'll be a 15 to 20 point a game uh, running back going forward. It looks like Tampa Bay wants to turn this backfield into like a 60-40 split with White being the lead guy. Khabib.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a huge Rashad White guy coming out of college. Uh, I was kind of, you know, took the contrarian view on that. Uh, But even, you know, even with that being said, I ended up with a lot of Rashad White in drafts. I mean, you know, just being in that situation with that quarterback and what we thought that offense was going to be and knowing uh, Fournette's uh, uh, history of, uh, you know, getting banged up, uh, that was just some guy that you just saw, you know, visions of winning you a championship, Uh, because he was getting 80 to 90 percent of the touches in that backfill, uh, you know, during the money weeks. Uh, And so definitely, you know, there was already talks uh, that uh, his role was going to increase Then whispers that he was going to be the starter. And he did start the game. You know what that means these days, you know, kind of here there. But I think that's big to have a rookie start the game over an incumbent veteran is not something that we should just scoff off or or just like, you know, completely ignore now you have Leonard Fournette who's banged up and you have them on their bye. If he's banged up, I mean, say he plays, but he's banged up to where he's not practicing for like a week and a half or so. That means Rashad White is getting all of these practice reps. And Great I'm a point. big proponent of that. Like if you're kind of one of these fringe guys or you're in these questionable situations and you're the one guy that's at you know on the practice field and the coaches are seeing that and they're game planning, chances are you may have that big week coming out. You know, that mm-hmm. buyer coming out or that, that you know, that game coming coming out of that practice versus if you were kind of sitting, you know, you're a French guy and you were sitting out most of the week. You know, you're probably going to be phased out of the offense. So um, I'm looking forward. I don't know who his matchup uh, is coming out of the bye, but I, he's probably going to be in a lot of my starting lineups.
3: That's a great point real quick. What, what Abib just said, you know, the hip pointer. Lenny catches it at the end of the game. You see him on the sideline with his hip wrapped up. He probably, if they had a game this week, you could pretty much say forget about it. We're not going to get much information from beat reporters because they're not around for the week here. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, a, an, a you know, a, a reason for Tampa-based coaches to have to say, all right, easy, Len. You know, you're a veteran. Take a couple weeks, get healthy again. We'll turn it over to the kid. And you get, you know, weeks twelve. Uh, you get weeks twelve, thirteen, maybe even fourteen out of Rashad White here before Lenny comes back. Uh, we don't know anything coming out of this bye week. Chris froze up uh, once it happens, okay. but we do knowing into the bye week.
1: Dan. Yeah, totally. Totally makes sense. I agree. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing is we're starting to see a few signs of the, you know, the Tampa Bay, if they can just get that running game going a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the whole offense is just really sputtering. They've been generating, a pretty good amount of fantasy points, but they're just not getting many touchdowns. And if they can up those touchdowns, then all of a sudden everything sort of starts falling into place like we thought it would at the start of the season. So, you know, that's an offense that I've had a lot of hope for all year long. I, I, you know, I've held tight to my Tampa pieces and, um, you know, I just, I kind of feel like every time, you know, this, this could be the week, this could be the week. But um, I, I, I do think White might be able to do a lot to help out with that. Uh, because of the way that he can, you know, he can catch passes, uh, and he he just looks like he's he's hitting the hole better, uh, finding the crease a little bit better than Lenny. So he looks he looks much more explosive yes. than
0: Lenny has at any time this this season. I mean, Lenny's had his moments um, where he put up a good fantasy line, but in terms of you know you saw White rip off big runs and the fact that they gave White twenty two carries. Um, I think that was really telling. So coming off of the bye, if if White can, can, if White can get even a few targets a game to go with a, a nice size workload, I think you know, we throw around the word uh, league winner, but you know, being able to plug in Rashad White into your lineup is going to be you know, super impactful. One other team in Florida is Miami. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are what they are. They're high-end wide receivers that can finish wide receiver one overall in any given week. Uh, There's not a whole lot of thought with the pass catchers. The running backs, though, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert both put up big stat lines this past week. Who would you rather have rostered for the rest of the season? Start with Dan.
1: Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. That's Jeff
2: Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There you go. (laughs) That's,
3: That's true. That's, yeah. the, that's uh, Dan. I agree. Give me <laughs> yeah. Wilson all day. He looks great. Yeah. Uh, I knew that it was trouble in the water uh, when he, Wilson got traded for. He came over and in the first game they both had nine carries each. Right. It was like, whoa, oh, you know, this yeah. didn't take long at all. And then you go into the second week and Wilson has 17 carries. Looks phenomenal. Phenomenal uh, doing it. And, um, and and Moster had I think nine carries to to Wilson seventeen. But listen, this is another backfield that I think games it might be a little more game uh, script dependent each week. I think when the Dolphins are leading, it'll be more carries for Wilson. Maybe if the Dolphins are trailing, Moster to get in there. Uh, you'll see a little more Moster. But for me, red zone you'll see Wilson, uh, and Wilson's the one that I want over Moster. W- Wilson's another guy that I would say right there uh fringe you know high-end rb2 most are uh, uh, flex type play habib
4: yeah it's i mean it's always been wilson for me <laughs> 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 i remember last year he was like my like at one point was like my highest owned player i just added him across the board and you know it was probably a little bit premature he was coming off of the knee injury but i just remember like you know he obviously didn't look that good but everyone thought he was done and there was just like one tad bit of news that I want to I want to give credit. I want to say it was a you know a San Francisco, uh, I think it was a podcast that I listened to. But they were just talking about how explosive he looked in camp. Uh, and not many people were talking about it. And I think we were all, you know, kind of under the assumption or fell for the trap again that it was gonna be Davis Price as the handcuff. And it wasn't until like later in the season where I think they purposely set him out of a preseason game and we're like, uh oh, no, it's Jeff Wilson. And just throughout the year when he's been on the field, you know, I think it, it took him a little while to get started, and then they brought in competition, and immediately you saw it, you know. And so as soon as he got traded to Miami, I I just knew he was going to take over that backfield. So I, I really kind of emptied the clip as far as picking him up in leagues where he was dropped, and I, I 100% agree, Dan. Like, And this is an offense, too. Like They're so explosive, so they can get ahead of games. I think that defense is going to come around where it's going to really be able to limit opponents moving forward that was a huge trade uh you know that you know hopefully their you know secondary is getting a little bit healthy but if they can control games you know you can have waddle and hill like do the damage in the you know in the first half and then have jeff wilson and probably most of them breaking off maybe a long run here or there you know do the damage in the second half and then everybody's happy you know so uh this is definitely an offense you want to be invested in
0: yeah and shout out to uh to dwayne mcfarland he uh had raheem some some really harsh uh you know usage on on Mostert. uh we all saw the the 28% of snaps but he only had 24% of the rushing attempts and only 25% of the route participation so it's 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 over it's it's jeff wilson's season
3: <laughs> he was uh, fading he, he was fading before the trade anyway right. and and that's why they went out and and made this trade mcdaniel's he knew what he was getting with his boy wilson coming over i was always a big fan just like you said a big of Wilson he, he, people seem to you know knock Wilson a lot I don't understand that um, but most it was starting to fade before he had that great start in, in the start of the season he was pumping out those 20 point fantasy games then you know the he's not this type of bell cow that you could go to 15 20 times a game all season long they just jumped ship before they saw you know they saw the the wheels coming off the bus they went to Wilson and and that's the guy you want going forward uh, I, I it's it's I mean having Wilson and I'll give a shout out
0: to to Dan. Dan was super bullish on Wilson in the off season uh, with the Forty ers and he's been a big fan of the talent. And I'm happy on some teams that we have Wilson. Uh, I'll give Dan a hat tip on that. I have a lot more Wilson uh, because I sit next to Dan than I would have if I if I was just doing my own process. So uh, good one on that, Dan. Three wide receivers that are looking to make their mark on this season uh, moving forward are Paris Campbell. Who had who's had three touchdown catches his last three games with Matt Ryan under center? Kadarius Toney, who we've already touched upon, looks like a you know, let's call him an every week wide receiver two or flex. Uh, and Christian Watson, who just had a ridiculous game this past weekend with three touchdown receptions against Dallas. Who would be the one you'd want to roster rest of season moving forward? Start with Abib.
4: Oh man, Will you start with me. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I'm gonna eliminate Paris Campbell. Uh, I think that's an easy one, so he, he's out of the picture. So, so then it just kind of comes down to okay, uh, you know, offense, you know, who's in a better offense versus who may ha- have the higher usage. Uh, and so I think it's kind of a coin flip to be quite honest. Uh, with dubs being out of the picture, uh, it makes it a lot closer. Uh, I think if I had to put my chip on one. Currently with where we are uh, with, you know, we don't know uh, where McCole Hartman is. Uh, we don't know where Juju Sch- Schuster is. Uh, and he's had a history of uh, concussions. I got to give it to Katerius Tony. I don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle. I was definitely in the camp that, okay, this was like a, a play towards 2023 because there were a lot of bodies in front of him. Well, those bodies have just been knocked out of the way <laughs> and, you know, and, and he's, and he's next man up and, you know, And, and, you know, and that's what, again, this this, this is why you don't drop a player like that. doesn't matter if he's fourth or fifth on the the depth chart. The talent is insane and is ridiculous. Uh, But, you know, I will kind of, you know, speak on Watson a little bit in a sense that, again, Dubs is out of the picture. We had the Lazard debate. And I think, you know, when Lazard's been healthy, he's been more than useful. But even before this blow-up week, you know, they were trying to find ways to get him involved. Anytime I see a team and you know use a player in the bubble screen on more than one occasion, that tells me that the head coaches are like, I want to get this player the ball. Okay. I want to find a way to get this player the ball. So if they're consciously thinking that, then that means their role is likely to grow. And he's a rookie. And he was drafted in the first round. There's just too much going for him to, you know, to 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 not see a path towards him, you know, really coming on as potentially a wide receiver one. So, you know. Again, right now, I'd probably say Tony, but you could ask me tomorrow and I could lean uh, Christian Watson. Uh, And I don't care that he just had three or four targets uh, because, I mean, that's something that could easily change over the next few weeks as long as he manages to catch the ball.
3: Chris. Yeah, it would be Christian Watson for me. Uh, If it was just for this upcoming week, it would be Tony. But uh, I think uh, we hit on a couple of points here. I think as the season goes on after this week, I think, you know, with the concussion to Juju, you have to expect him to come back. We're still a little up in the air with Nicole Hardman, who was really coming on strong uh, for four or five weeks before his injury. But now, you know, it would be Watson over Tony for me, for that reason. I think if we look up in two, three weeks, maybe Tony takes a step back in this offense. Sure. We all want pieces to this chief's offense, with Mahomes leading it, but, you know, Kelsey's always going to be the top guy in that offense, and if Juju and Harmon are back, Tony could slip right back into that third or fourth option, whereas, I don't know, I think Rodgers has been looking for that, you know, wide receiver one to emerge, and we just might see, you just saw the beginning of it here with Watson, and going forward, this whole pass offense could be, you know, divided up with uh, between Lazard and Watson, with Watson being, you know, his, his main guy, so for me, it would be Watson uh, for the rest of the season. Um, I, do like, I, I do like Paris Campbell. I think he's a solid PPR um, option for your fantasy team as a flex play. But he's a third. He, he'd be distant third uh, between these three guys.
0: I'll, I'll actually I, – I, I'm very bullish on Tony. Uh, I'm, I'd like to see where this thing goes. And I think that the quality of the passing offense and the, the pass volume – for me kind of bumps Tony. I, I think Watson could be like Claypool was his rookie season where, you know, he's this massive big play threat. He's a physical specimen, but I will go with Tony. I'll take the, the the bullish approach there that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg uh, and he could end up being like a wide receiver two rest of the season. Watson, I think will have his touchdown moments, but I think you'll also see a couple of games here and there where, you know, the, four for 60 those kind of score lines which are not really going to impact it like tony will uh and i agree with chris i think paris campbell is a really nice guy to have uh i mean the proof is in the pudding with paris campbell it's happened multiple times with matt ryan uh the the quality of the offense kind of lowers it but i'm i'm bullish on him as well dan which way are you going with these three guys
1: yeah so i i'd put tony at number one um I, I, I have famously been very down on Christian Watson as a prospect. Um, just didn't really see it. Um, I You know, he, he's he's being put into a role where he, he's doing what he does well. Um, so that's what he's got going for him right now. But, you know, it, again, three touchdowns on four targets. That is a little bit fluky. Uh, that offense has been struggling. Now, you know, a player like Watson is what that offense needs to, you know, to start hitting a little bit more because they badly need somebody to take the top off the the defense. Uh, that's certainly not going to be Lazard. Um, they tried it with Dobbs, but, you know, that's just not really his skill set either. So, you know, Watson is doing what he needs to do to maybe help jumpstart that offense, but I'd like to see it another week. Whereas Tony, my gosh, I mean, <laughs> that, guy, that, that guy is just like, he's Tyree Kill. I mean, he's silly. Um, you know, I'll, I'm I'm so happy that I drafted some Tony. And I'm so happy I held on to him uh, for all this time because I'm you know I'm definitely going to be using him the rest of the way, uh, you know. And it, Paris Campbell, you know, again, nice story uh, as you guys were saying, but um, you know that offense is definitely not as good as the other two. Um, Campbell is more of a, a role player rather than a centerpiece. Uh, Dan
0: has famously called the Justin Jefferson catch. The best, the best catch of of the, are we calling it the the best. millennia or the decade or the <laughs> century?
1: <laughs> century? Yeah. You can you can use the, either one really.
3: Catch of the year is thrown out so much nowadays that you have to yeah. up it. Decade yeah, well, it's, century. It's, it's, whatever. it's
0: the catch of the year, a hundred percent. I think that yeah. the catch of the century. Uh, that's we're gonna we're gonna put the put that as Andrew so, Schellenberg would say. So, so we'll let's put, let's put, put shirt, it up now. against
1: Odell's. I mean, let's put it up against Odell's. So Odell was was basically, he, he made that catch a, against air. You know, he didn't have a defender draped all over him trying to steal the ball with two hands while he's trying to bring it in with one hand.
0: It was not fourth down.
1: It was not fourth down. It was not a game deciding. Yep. Yeah, they, you've got it. I mean, you've got it. Argument. Yeah, that the just the you know the degree of difficulty, the the situation, everything. I mean, I can't think of a catch that I've seen in my lifetime that was that insane.
0: Around the horn, start with Dan, is Justin Jefferson our 2023-101 in high-stakes formats? And if you don't think he is, who would be the guy that would that you would take over him? Or that, you know, has an argument for it? Start with you, Dan.
1: Big shocker. Yes, he is. 100%. Abib? Uh, right now, yes. Chris.
3: It's going to be tough. Uh, I think he's right there. Top two with uh, Saquon. Saquon,
1: that's
0: a, that's an interesting name because, Uh, uh, you know, in terms of the scarcity of, of the running back position and kind of what he could be, I think that's, that's an interesting one that could pick up steam. I'm going to go with Jefferson Uh, to me. I think it's going to be, it's clearly going to be Jefferson, but uh, Saquon is an interesting name. Um, and then just quickly around the horn Chris brought up Saquon is there anybody else that kind of jumps out to you Dan and Habib, um, that you'd want to throw out there as a, a potential argument
4: for one or maybe you're clear cut too or is Yeah it- I say Yeah I say Justin Jefferson now because I kind of want to see you know obviously you know so much changes over the off season, but I see a team that I could potentially see uh, you know heading in the right direction and this player you know really taking over the mantle as the 101 or living up to the bill is is Jonathan Taylor. I had a lot of 101s this year and pretty much took CMC every single time with the exception of one. Uh, And, you know, part of that was just, okay, number one guy rarely repeats, so let me just bet against the odds. But, you know, the large part of that was just that, you know, Naheem Hines was there, okay? Hines is out of the picture now, you know? And whoever comes in, you know, maybe it's just Saturday, but, you know, what if they come in and they're like, this is the best player, offensive player on our roster. Let's get him the ball, you know. And this O line plays up to their ability. You know, you could see a resurgence here, and you know, and he still plays in the division where he should be able to kind of run ramp shot, you know, the majority of the time against the D line, you know, pending any major moves. So, uh, you know, you know, I was out on the, I don't, him this year, but next year I could see myself being back in, uh, or at least buying the discount, mid uh- first round.
3: Yeah, a couple things on this. I I think just like this past year when you had the 1-1 or the 1-2, you know, it was CMC or Jonathan Taylor or Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And then you started seeing that last week, hey, I want to start because of how the draft board, uh, you know, plays out. I want to start my early first-round pick with a wide receiver. So it's just going to be a mindset. If you get that 1-1 and you want to start going with a 0-RB build or whatever, then it's going to be Jefferson. Yeah. If you want to build off of, you know, the running backs, I think it'll be the Saquon, CMC, I think he will still be in the mix next year in San Francisco, depending on what goes on with Eli Mitchell. Jonathan Taylor, uh, I think will also, uh, you know, play a factor in that as well. So
0: those three guys. Brees Hall, a healthy Brees Hall. Would no. You play into that in the first round next year?
3: Uh, first round, I, I coming I, off I, the injury, I, I, No. Yeah, coming off the injury, no, um, but it could work out. I will want to. I do want to throw out this name, that I don't think people see it coming. But if you play it out, who would be a sneaky one-one overall going into next year? If when Kareem Hunt is out of town, and you get to Sean Watson under center, and that offensive line is healthy, and the team is looking good going into next year, give me Nick Chubb with a full backfield, okay? And I wouldn't hesitate to take him right there in those first couple picks if Kareem Hunt is is out of the uh, is out of town.
4: And Chris, you know the beauty about that pick too is there's a clear handcuff or potentially a clear handcuff. You know, we'll someone who yeah who'll get a majority of the workload. And I love those situations. Yeah. You
0: know? No, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun summer uh, talking about all this. I'm very interested to see kind of where Brees Hall lands because uh, I think he was heading towards that. He's so young um, that, you know, I don't know. It's tough taking guys off of injury, but if anybody can do you it. You think I, he'll I, be I'm a
3: first-rounder, sure. Theo?
0: I think more likely than not, he's a second-rounder. Second but I think rounder. that the hype could, could grow as the summer moves along and, you know, we'll yeah. kind of see his recovery. Javante Williams will be an interesting guy this summer as well um, to see kind of how, how he recovers. It's always uh, fun talking mm-hmm. about guys coming off the injury with Dan. Um, you know, who's a little bit usually averse to those kind of guys, but it'll be a really fun summer. Uh, I want to quickly get to the quarterback position before we talk league winners. 62 of the top 100, this is staggering, 62 of the top 100 FFPC main event teams have either Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen as their QBs. Are we headed to a return of early QB drafting? And how high will these
3: two guys be drafted next year in high stakes? Uh, start with Chris. Well, this is, this is the question for me, guys, because uh, if you know anything about me throughout my course of playing high stakes fantasy football, I was always the early quarterback guy. Uh, you know, I lived in, with taking Brady and Rogers and Peyton Manning uh, all those years early. And I continued it all up straight through, you know, last year. And I'm kicking myself for this year, jumping off that boat, just simply because everybody started pushing quarterback down the draft board these last couple years. So I said, all right, you know what? I don't need to force these guys up the draft board anymore, such as the Josh Allens. But looking back on it, I kicked myself every day for these past couple months because every draft I look at and I passed on Josh Allen in the fourth round of NFFC drafts, passed on Pat Mahomes in fifth and sometimes even sixth round of this is my style of drafting in, in NFFC. If I can take an elite quarterback and I don't need to spend a second or uh, a second round pick on it, that should have been me all day long. And and instead I, I pushed it down just because everyone else was pushing quarterback down. And I said, all right, that Lamar Jackson, sixth round value, that, that Russell Wilson, ninth round value I could build. We needed our receivers in that third, fourth, fifth rounds. So, you know, we didn't want to take the quarterback position uh, too high. But sitting back and, look, and looking back, absolutely, uh, the quarterback position will be viewed at after this season, what we're witnessing, in a totally different light. We might go back to those years of Drew Brees and, and Brady and Mannings getting drafted in the first and second rounds in these six-point passing quarterbacks. And, and in the FFPC, FFWC, the four-point passing The Fields, the Jalen Hurts, the Lamar Jacksons. Yes, we have to look at fantasy completely differently after this year. The fantasy quarterback position can take your fantasy team to new heights every week. It's carrying teams. If you have Allen and Mahomes, I, I don't know how you don't win without these guys this year. If you win with other quarterbacks other than Allen, Mahomes, and Hurts, and maybe now Fields, I'll be shocked, but... I could talk about this subject for, for days, but I'll let you guys uh, it's, it's you know, also, take it Chris, from there. You know,
0: Chris, you also bring up like the landmines that we fell on in like the fifth yes. round.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You are completely risk averse yeah. with your early pick when you take one of these guys. Yeah. So it's it's Great the, point. The, the it's the one position where we as an industry, we really get it right. Is the QB position like the usually the, the guys drafted his top three QBs you know, they don't, they don't fail. Maybe they'll finish QB three finishes as QB six, but you're still getting an impactful, uh, I think tight end and and quarterback besides our our boy, Kyle Pitts, you know, we're usually pretty right on the, the truly elite guy. So it's a very interesting argument, but, but did
3: we need, but did we need this type of season for the whole fantasy industry, all these years to poo poo the quarterback position, right? Do we need to witness this, what we're seeing, you know, it's a, for it's a, it to it's happen, holiday, like it the whole fantasy industry. Yeah, the whole fantasy industry. Oh, wait on quarterback, it doesn't matter. And then you go out and you watch Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen drop 40 points every week, and we're sitting here with garbage in the mid rounds, Brady, <laughs> Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, on and on and on, giving us 18 points, 20 points. These are difference makers. Lock in your difference maker in those rounds. And look at all the hits that we can navigate around in the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th rounds at the receiver and running back position. It's just been always, it always mystified me how the whole industry just says the quarterback position isn't that important, whatever. It's the biggest difference maker. The most successful seasons I've had throughout the last 20 years playing high stakes is when I had big time quarterbacks and I drafted them early and every week, it was a set and forget thirty five forty at the top of my roster. And then I'll work out everything else. No, you're right about that. Ab- Abib,
4: what do you think? I mean, I just, I love what Chris just said. I mean, uh, I mean, we could like literally have a three hour show on that. I mean, that, that, there was just so many great uh, points. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because my approach over the last few years has been kind of very different. Uh, you know, this year. I saw that the quarterbacks were kind of being, you know, pushed down. And, you know, I was like, all right, let me just get one of these second, third tier guys, you know, and ideally that would be a value uh, and then just leave it at that. And then if I didn't get one of those guys, maybe I draft two quarterbacks later in years previously, I was just absolutely greedy. You know, I try to identify the guy and, you know, get lucky with the Lamar. uh, And then, but I would draft like three quarterbacks, three or four quarterbacks, because my mindset was kind of like yours to some degree was, this position scores the most points by far. And it's like so devalued and people tell you why, you know, I would just like get like laughed at for drafting like three right. quarterbacks. And I'm like, I don't care. I want to get it right. <laughs> like I want to get it right. I want to make sure that one of and these. Ties, you don't have to keep, you don't yeah, have to keep four of them. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause there's going to be so much churn anyway, but I a hundred percent agree with you. You know, I think, you know, when it comes to like, you know, understanding the change in times that, you know how the game is changing and being able to incorporate that into your strategy. Like I'm hundred percent with you, you know, we'll see what ends up happening and kind of what shakes out over the off season. But as of right now, yeah, I want one of those top three guys and I'm, you know, and if Field gets pushed up the board, I'm going to make sure that I get a Josh Allen or Mahomes. I'm not paying the premium for fields, uh, but we'll see, but we'll see. I think that's a very, very interesting discussion. And I love that take uh, as far as kind of how you approach quarterbacks. Dan, anything to add?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I. The main thing is you don't want to continue chasing after quarterback once those elite guys are gone. Uh, you know, like just because Allen and Mahomes are gone, that doesn't mean you want to be taking Joe Burrow in the third round because both of those guys disappeared in the you know, so the, you have to you have to figure out you know who you think is really going to be the absolute elite. You can push those guys up um you know what we saw this year which we hadn't seen in years past was just the fact that the middle class of the quarterback kind of went from upper upper middle class to lower middle class i mean you know no. these guys went from driving their Audis and their mercedes and all that kind of stuff to driving rusted out toyotas um you know it, it, as far as how the offenses are going and i don't think anybody really saw that coming you know like you could go into this year and you could, you know, like, like Theo, we felt pretty good about drafting Kyler Murray in a lot of spots. Right. Felt great yeah. about it. Yeah. But you know, when Kyler Murray is getting you eight points less than Patrick Mahomes, who last year had a down year, you know, it, it, it it's, obviously that was the wrong call. I mean, you know, you wanted to have Alan or Mahomes early rather than taking Kyler Murray, you know, in the middle of round six or something like that. so yeah, I, think, I think that's the – you hit the nail on the head, Dan.
0: It's – will the entire position be pushed up because of this? Right. So it's almost like tight end where you'll end up – the sharp ones will either be – you want to draft one of the first few or you wait and you hope for like a Justin Fields or a 2 Right.
1: And it's funny because – you do it a Biebs way. And you, yeah. you draft three of them. You know, get it – okay. I didn't get one of those elite guys, so, you know – Dang it, I'm going to make sure
3: I get three guys I feel pretty good about, and hopefully one of them works out. It's the same exact approach that we talked about preseason when we were on this show that I think we all agreed on. It's our approach at the tight end position. Right. If you don't get an elite one, which, I mean, that was a mistake, waiting uh, and not getting the elite, the Kelsey and the Andrews, as we've found out now. But if I don't get that tier and I push it down to the mid-tier, well— okay, let me get one of those and then take even two more guys in that 14th through 18th round, you would have hit on the commits, the Njoku's, uh, you know, tight ends like that. So, you know, I, I'm i a wait on tight end guy. I'm usually a pay up for quarterback, wait on tight end. And, you know, th- there's been some hits at the tight end position, namely Njoku, who, who's on a lot of my teams. Unfortunately, he got hurt, but... You know, when you 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 know block out the noise when you're at the draft table or in the draft room, you know, the draft shaming is over. Go mind your business. I'll worry about my team. If I want to draft four quarterbacks like Abib or four tight ends like me, that's the way I'm going to do it because I'm going to let it play out. I know the other positions are strong. That's part of the whole elite quarterback drafting strategy that I always implied was I'm locked in on my 35 points at quarterback. I got to go figure out another position and I'll go figure out my tight end down the road. And I'm going to hit on one of these three or four guys I draft from rounds 12 through 20. And then you're going to have to really compete with me because I'm going to have that sleeper tight end with my elite quarterback. And I should have good uh, running backs and receivers in the middle.
0: Well, we've hit almost an hour and a half here. We always go over whenever you guys are in the district because you bring such fire Um, And we really appreciate your guys' time, uh, especially with all the waivers we've got to put in tonight. Um, Talk about our league winners. Uh, You know, it's funny because when Matt and Michael were on, we asked the exact same question. uh, And then when Bip and Billy were on, we asked the exact same question. So it's kind of like like a stock market where it changes and changes. Who are some of the guys that you anticipate being on overall title winner rosters uh you can go as obscure as you want or you can give some big names um why don't we start with uh Beeb on this one we'll put you on the spot again champ
4: yeah so, yeah so the obvious one i think is kind of who we mentioned earlier which is uh rashad white uh i do feel like i don't know i get the sense that this tampa bay offense is you know about the peak about the hit his stride uh brady's obviously been through a lot <laughs> some of the guys have been coming back from injuries uh, and, you know, they've been dealing with drops. Uh, they've, you know, had this kind of shuffling of the O-line. You know, sometimes that takes time to gel. And they got, you know, the luxury of having a late buy, or not the luxury of having an early buy. So I think coming out of the buy, you know, with what I saw last week, I think this offense could really hit a stride. And if it does um, and he's able to take over that role or Leonard Fournette gets hurt, uh, he's an he's a, he's a easy league winner. And then some of the more obscure names, uh, you know, for the most part, I think, uh, you know, we kind of know who a lot of these younger wide receivers are. Some of the guys are you know, coming on. I don't think Ben Skoranek is, a, is elite winning wide receiver. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, so I'm going to lean on running back again for the obscure names. Uh, it's going to be, you know, potentially Kyrie or uh, uh, Kyron Williams. Uh, as bad as that offense looks because of what he can provide in the passing game, uh, you know, we see the other guys phased out or even one of the guys phased out and see him take over a majority of the role with no Cooper Cup. I mean, he can eat up a lot of the underneath work. And I, I mean, it, it was limited. It was limited work. But the six targets that I saw from him, he just looked natural, so much more natural than the, the other guys, you know, coming out of the backfield, catching passes. And the last uh, guy, uh, when, when are you posting this? <laughs> it's it is live, live Abib. okay hopefully
0: nobody's
1: you, listening in <laughs> sure, sure all, right. all, right. all right all right everybody in the, the chat you can you please ingram?
4: yeah uh, everybody,
1: you need, everybody in the chat needs to mute mute yeah just mute your you did not just drop keontae ingram as the overall there you go everybody <laughs> you know who you're
0: bidding on this week
4: <laughs> i'm not bidding that That's much i though. Don't go crazy. Don't go crazy.
0: <laughs> the range of outcomes, range of outcomes Keontae could go nuts in the uh, the fantasy playoffs. Uh, I wrote about Keontae. I've talked about Keontae today on the Waiver Wire show. Yeah. It's like you know, he's he looks good. I I love that yeah. call. Um Chris, yeah. give us some league winners.
3: Uh are we talking top of the line elite winners or uh, you know, you want, just went However under- you want to go. Uh well, Top of the line, guys, I I think real quick, it's going to be tough to win without Kelsey or Andrews or or the quarterbacks we just mentioned, those big four. Okay. I I think that two offenses that you might see the stack, like Cincinnati last year, where, you know, Burrow and and Chase and Higgins, they were under the radar and blew up in the fantasy playoffs and carried it. Miami with the Tua Waddle Hill stack. And then Watson, like we talked about, with an Amari Cooper um and maybe in joku at tight end those are going to be some of the big names i think you'll see on winning teams but under the radar sleeper type guys that i think could come on really strong uh, antonio gibson uh is one and i bring his name up because i i think we've i think jd mckissick is about to hit the ir uh he's got this neck issue he's seeing specialist. sounds like an ir situation and if that's the case, Antonio Gibson could be a big-time PPR back down the stretch, give you 15, 20 fantasy points in that offense a week. So he could help you along with uh, you know, a guy we mentioned earlier, Jeff Wilson, I, I think is somebody that you, know, could, you could take off your bench, bring him into your starting lineup, and, and he can be big for teams, as well as Gus Edwards. I know mm-hmm. I was excited to get Gus Edwards back. Uh, And then he got the hamstring issue now going into the bye week. But I won't be shocked if they come out of the bye week. We know what the Ravens want to do. They want to pound the ball. Their schedule is beautiful uh, the rest of the way. And they should be favored and up big. Gus Edwards could be one of these running backs that gets 15 carries for 100 and a touchdown or two every week. So those are some running backs and a couple receivers I'll throw under the radar I don't know about this. Um, you know how much I love this. Jamar Chase is still on crutches, so Tyler Boyd uh, I think could be big for teams down the stretch, as well as uh, Garrett Wilson for the Jets.
0: So I'll I'll agree with you with the with Kelsey. Um, I think that everything's kind of setting up for Kansas City. I think those Mahomes uh, Kelsey. It's very chalky, but mm-hmm. they I like their playoff schedule. Um, and I'll also say that some of the like the ancillary pieces, like the, the Tonys, maybe a Pacheco, you're going to want Chiefs in the playoffs. They, they have that Denver Broncos game, uh, which would be in the championship week. Um, and as long as they're not sitting guys, I could see them just really putting a number on Denver. Um, I'll throw out Ken Walker. Oh, I yeah. think Ken Walker. Um, the, the fact that he was completely shut down in the run game and was still able to, you know, salvage this past week just as a receiver. Uh, he's coming off – he's got the bye week this week. I mean, I think that, you know, you have to treat him as, you know, a top five kind of running back moving forward. Um, and, you know, those would be kind of my guys. And if if we do see the big impact from Deshaun Watson, um, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones could be a guy that could get loose and have some Will Fuller like deep touchdowns in the uh, in the fantasy playoffs. Um, that's one I have my eye on, uh, Dan. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you guys stole all my guys, but uh, yeah, Travis <laughs> Kelsey. I mean, my God, uh, he's he's over doubled the point output of the number six tight end. I mean, it's
3: it's just sick. Wrong um, for fading him again. I don't know how you guys if you guys did it, but I was wrong for fading him. My best, I,
0: high stakes, my best high stakes Kelsey team was also a cup team, so you can <laughs> pour one out for me uh, tonight. But There you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Kelsey's uh, – it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah and I, I, I like uh, Kenny Walker a lot. Um, I think um, Travis Etienne yeah, uh, you know, has yeah. sure looked good. You know, Mixon has really been coming on as well, um, you know, so there may be something there. But uh, I, I think those are kind of your main guys. At uh, running back, you know who maybe weren't drafted quite as high. Uh, quarterback, it's it, it's definitely Mahomes. I mean, the Kansas City has no running game. I mean, you know, the the answer to who is Kansas City's running back is nobody. Uh, you know, it's it, it should be who cares? Yeah. Um, you know, so I I think when you've got Mahomes or you've got Josh Allen, uh, you know, like Chris was saying, that's a cheat code. And if you can pair them up with, um,
3: you know put a a Kenny Walker and a Travis Etienne and a, you know, that's the combo right there, Dan, you, you hit it. And that's what I just wanted to say. Listen, the whole first round was a hit this year, other than Jonathan Taylor, pretty much who hurt you as a top one or two pick. But after you got out of the first round, you build on, uh, you know, the rest of your your drafts, you're going to see a combination of, uh, of all those first round guys an Eckler a Barkley a Jefferson, that's going to be the standard after that. I think you hit on the guys, Walker, ETN, and I want to throw in Nick Chubb because these yes. are the three big running backs that, you know, it's funny, ETN was the worst third-round draft pick you could have made through the first five weeks of the season. And now we look back after the 10th week, he's the best third-round pick you could have made. So right. ETN and Walker and Chubb, I think those three running backs you're going to see on you know all championship rosters. One of those three you're going to need to to take your team over the top. Yeah, and I'll, I'll
1: throw out one more crazy one at wide receiver, Tyler Lockett. I mean, yes. that guy, that guy is what's as well as he's done, and he's top ten. Uh, he he has missed some opportunities where he's been just barely out of the, you know, his his foot came out just barely on the white, or yeah. you know, he in, inexplicably dropped a pass that he would normally catch. I mean, he's he he could be about wide receiver four or five right now uh, if things had broken just a little bit differently. So um, he's, he's a guy I think could definitely catch fire uh, throughout the second half of the year. And I mean, Seattle is, is definitely throwing it up to him. I mean, he's, he's been the guy more so than uh, DK Metcalf really. And Dan, that's funny. That's the, the, the underdog
0: bros were would always bring up that Seattle jets game as like the joke one that they were stacking Mm-hmm. And someone could potentially win a ton of money on stacking that game correctly because that Seattle team yes. that Seattle Jets game, you know, that could have playoff implications the last week. And and, and you know, we talk about, you know, if you would have gone Walker, Lockett, Geno, I mean, you could potentially have yeah, something right. there.
3: What offense was a bigger fade and a bigger stay away than Seattle in August and early September? We didn't right. want any we didn't want to go anywhere near it you know, and yep. Lockett was probably the best value on the board, along with Kenny Walker, you know, well, both guys that you got after the 10th round.
0: In 10 yeah. years or so, we'll, we will really, really enjoy the 30 for 30 on Geno Smith season. <laughs> It'll be one of the better ones ever. Cause it's, it's uh that's a whole goat district special, uh, you know, to go over just, you know, how awesome Geno has been this year. And he's going to get a massive contract too. That's, they're going to go with him for another year and he deserves it too. So, uh, you love to see it, but uh, we're at we're at a, an hour and thirty eight minutes here.
4: Uh, Abib, remind everybody where they can find you. Uh, Twitter at Skywalker two uh, thousand, podcast at person Fifteenth, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. And putting out uh, big bids on Keontae Ingram,
0: <laughs> to you, you better find, raise those a bids. bids. You'll find the b- <laughs> <laughs> rising it up maybe eleven percent now. Yeah. You know, just because he revealed his uh, <laughs> his love of Keontae. Chris, uh, where can they find you, and when is when is your pod dropping?
3: Uh, you can get me on Twitter, Chris Vicaro GST. Uh, that's after the Greenwich Street Tavern, my bar in New York City. Come through if you're in uh, Manhattan, uh, downtown Tribeca, and then uh, at the Athletic, the podcast and the article drops. Uh, podcast drops on Wednesday mornings, and the article drops on Thursday mornings. Awesome. Yep. Dan, awesome
0: show.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this was, this was great. Could have gone on for another couple hours, I think, easily. But 100%.
0: 100%. Uh, we'll have to get you guys back on uh, as soon as the season's over. Uh, tune in Thursday. We have Scott Spratt coming on. First time he's been in the district. Scott has been putting out some great content with uh, Nelson Sousa this year. He does a start-sit uh, article on FTN that I really enjoy. And we're going to go with Scott and talk about our own start-sits and hopefully help you win this week. Uh, Thanks for tuning in tonight and uh, everybody have a great night.